0: Welcome to the Spring Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made on February 27th, 2022, the last Sunday of the epiphany season. Good morning. Good morning. I want to start the announcements with a big thank you to First Congregational for your assistance yesterday, through the week and leading up to the funeral for Lucy Anderson yesterday, and for the meal that followed after that. Uh, Yes, thank you, Al. Absolutely. And it was a nice. It was a nice gathering. Um, A lot of folks whose lives were touched by Lucy, and so it was wonderful for us to be able to just pay respects to her legacy and her work in this community, and it was nice for the church to be able to support that. Making note of the items that we have here on our announcement list this week, we will be having our Ash Wednesday service that will be at 5 p.m. right here. And I do not believe we will be doing anything with, the, with our Footsteps Bible study program that night. We will resume again on the 9th for that programming and more, to, more details will unfold as that date gets closer. Council meeting will be on the 13th. Does anyone know how the Sean Moe's benefit went yesterday at leisure time? okay was, was the, the place was jumping huh good 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 I hope that put them closer towards I, their their goal yeah anything that you want to highlight Mary on here that we should be aware of? is there any other announcements that anyone would like to lift up any additional prayer concerns Lynette is Jerry still in town or is he okay okay good to see you this morning All right, then, let us continue to worship in spirit and truth.
1: Come, now is the time.
0: I invite you to join together in our invocation, which is printed in the bulletin. God be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholden by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross, to be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our opening hymn is from the faith we sing, the thin volume, the thin black volume in your pew, number 2022. Oh, how appropriate. That's our year. (laughs)
2: Um. Oh, sorry, let me try that again. (laughs)
0: Let us join together in our responsive reading. Psalm 37. The Lord is King, let the people tremble. He is enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion, he is high above all people. Let them confess his name, which is great and awesome, but he is the Holy One.
2: Almighty King, lover of justice, you have established You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob.
0: Proclaim the greatness of the Lord our God and fall down before his footstool. He is the Holy One.
2: Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among those who call upon his name, they called upon the Lord and he answered them.
0: He spoke to them out of the pillar of cloud. They kept his testimonies and the decree that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them indeed. You were a God who forgave them, yet punished them for their evil deeds.
2: Proclaim the greatness of the Lord our God, and worship him upon his holy hill. For the Lord our God is the Holy One.
1: Glory be to the Father and to the sun
3: Good morning. 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 The Old Testament lesson this morning is from Exodus 34, 29 to 35. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, the Israelites would see the face of Moses, that the skin of his face was shining, and Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went to speak, went in to speak with him. The epistle this morning is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter three, 12 through four, two. <clears throat> Since then, we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there, since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, <clears throat> excuse me, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image, from from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word, but by the open statement of the truth we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. Thank
0: you, Carol. I invite you to rise for the gospel. Well, today being Transfiguration Sunday, we have Luke's account of the Transfiguration comes to us from chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. That's the transfiguration text, but there's a parenthetical that Luke tacks on, which is 37 through 43a. Now, even though in my meditation, I'm mostly focusing on the transfiguration portion, I will read the gospel selection for today in its entirety. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and went up the mountain to pray. While he was praying, his appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking about his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said, and while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. There a voice came and said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. And the voice had spoken. Jesus was found alone. And they kept silence in those days and told no one the things that they had seen. On the next day, when they come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then, a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly, a spirit seizes him, and all at once it shrieks, convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him. It will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him from the ground in convulsions. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. You may we see Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God, giving you thanks for this day that you have contributed to our well-being. Not merely that it is an opportunity for us to worship, but it is a day that you have opened our eyes. And we do not take that for granted. So as we gather here for prayer and reflection, for the restoration, to reinvigorate ourselves as we move forward in these lives that you have given us to live, help us to be mindful the experiences that you unfold in your scriptures that we should take note of, that we can continue to live in accordance with that truth which has unfolded long before we arrived and will endure long after we've passed away. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be an offering to you May you find it pleasing. Bless, keep, and guide us now and always. In your name, amen. Every liturgical season, we have the season of Epiphany closes out with the transfiguration. Transfiguration story, like what we just heard and the account from Luke, is Jesus revealing his divinity before his inner circle, inner circle of Peter, James, and John. Alongside Jesus appears the visages of Moses and Elijah who were two significant biblical creatures and characters in the Judeo-Christian narrative. Now I have preached transfiguration for the better part of my time here always as a coming attraction event. A cinematic trailer, if you will, about the promise of the resurrection. I have long held this position and I think it reflects just my training that I was trained to appreciate Transfiguration as a sneak preview of things to come hinting at Easter without giving you the full power of Easter. Now this is significant because this is a mountaintop moment in which we have these two figures who are very important in the Christian narrative. We've got Moses And we realize that Moses has always been emblematic of standing in for the covenant of God, the covenant that was presented to him on Sinai. One of our memorials here to Barb Schultz, Jackie's mom, is the Ten Commandments. And we have, what is this? This is odd and that's even. Am I right, Jackie, on that one? I think it's odd and even. Okay, yes, odd and even. I'm odd, so that works out. But we, what I always like to gesture to these now, I, always, I gesture anyway, but I like to gesture to these because it's always our little reminder of not only the covenant that God has established with people that he He rescued, but it's also an opportunity for us to have a refresher in case we're ever a little rusty on our Sunday school. We can just sort of zone out and and do a memory game. So Moses has always been in the transfiguration appearance, has always stood in as a reminder of this law that God gave to the people that he rescued from Egypt. And then we have the prophet Elijah whose work was trying to call the people of Israel back to repentance. He stood tall against Ahab and Jezebel and Stood against the, the priests and the prophets of Baal and says, No, you know, this, this is there's no power in that. The true power is in the one God alone. So we have these two figures because I have always been instructed that Jesus brings these two characters into, into harmony through his ministry, through his incarnation. He fulfills the law of God, yet he also completes the prophecy that God has enacted. So I will always hold this understanding of the transfiguration because it's just how I'm I'm wired. But today I want us to consider a different interplay between these characters in a different light. Moses and Elijah would have existed as historical figures to Peter, James, and John. To catch glimpses of them in this sort of altered state experience would have been mind-blowing for them. They would have known them from their reading of the Torah. They would have known them from their historical readings in synagogue. These were historical figures for them, as they are for us. Now, these disciples would have already formed an opinion about who Moses and who Elijah were on the basis of what their history would have taught them. For the sake of example, we're going to place ourselves in their position today. Today, we explore the fact that we have to look back to move forward. Human civilization is such that each successive generation builds on the foundation of previous generations. We stand on the shoulders of our ancestors. They inform directly and indirectly our actions. As we remember those who came before us, we do gain a sense of ourselves. Now Moses and Elijah are not supplanted by Jesus. He's in conversation with them. They manifest as part of this vision as a result of entering into conversation with him about his soon-to-be crucifixion and the way that he will exit and then, of course, his resurrection. So they're having this conversation because they realize that he is continuing on the work that they began. And those disciples that Jesus plucked to join him in that experience will take it even further. We pride ourselves in our individuality. It's a particular badge of courage, especially in our culture. But are we not really just an amalgamation of our ancestors' greatest hits? Taking myself as an example, many of my pastimes and interests are tacit ways of keeping alive the memories of those who impress those interests upon me. I do a great many things right now in my life that I saw my father do, even if it was only briefly. And through somehow By involving myself in those same pastimes, those same activities, I keep him alive through those gestures. Walk through the annals of your own life and you will find that there's an individual that is attached to much of what you do and who you are. For good or for ill, we are shaped by those who come before us. So why does God grant us this vision of these past figures of Moses and Elijah coming together with this present figure of Jesus and this small group of witnesses? God is doing a new thing. And what I believe that God is trying to do is to assure these disciples that they are on the right track. The cloud that overtakes the mountain is very emblematic of the cloud that overtook Sinai when Moses was up there, and in fact, the people of Israel became distressed because Moses had gone to the mountain to receive the covenant from God and there was clouds and it seems like a storm was raging up there and the cloud had completely engulfed the mountain and they said Moses is dead, he's not coming down, look what's going, on. there's a storm going on up there, he's gone, he's lost to us. Meanwhile Moses, he was in the presence of the divine so he was having a moment and while he was having his moment, the people were like, well, okay, let's get some gold earrings. Let's get some gold bracelets together. Let's fashion for ourselves our God. Let's fashion for ourselves an idol. And we will say that this is the God that took us out of Egypt. And that's when God had said, Moses, as much as I'm enjoying this conversation, I got to cut it short because the people have lost their minds and you need to get down there and correct them. Bye. So Moses was none too pleased, but he came down as the passage that Carol read for this this morning with a veil over his face because the presence of God was, was too great to behold and he didn't want other people to say, you know, what's, what's with that sheen going on there? You know, what's, what's happening with Moses? So he, he veiled his face to sort of mute his presentation for being in the presence of God. It, it, had, it had rubbed off. So God is doing this new thing. The disciples are on the right track. They are students of Jesus. They are learning from him, and they shouldn't deviate from that path. By this point in the narrative and during the context of Luke's Luke's ninth chapter, the disciples understand that Jesus is preparing them for his departure. You can read the entire continuity of the ninth chapter for yourselves at your leisure and you will realize that he has made not one but several instances in which he tells them the son of man will be given up he will be arrested he will be persecuted he will be tried he will be crucified and on the third day he will rise again but the disciples didn't want to hear that because nobody wants to hear anything that's unpleasant why should they be any different just because they were in the presence of the Son of God, but they still didn't have human fallibility, human weakness. That They still didn't want to hear unpleasant things. We expect so much more of them because they were in the presence of the divine, but they were human like we are human. And they were confused and afraid like we sometimes are confused and afraid. But the transfiguration of Jesus points... how we will be transfigured as well and this is what Jesus wants to impart to at least a few of his disciples he didn't bring all twelve up the mountain that's just, just too unruly, just that inner circle just the sons of thunder, James and John and Peter who had already made the declaration when Jesus asked who do people say that I am? And they said well some say you're John the Baptist and others say you're Elijah He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I say that you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And he says, blessed are you, Peter, for this has not been revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the Heavenly Father. So God's law and God's prophecy have found a champion in Jesus. We learn from Jesus how to live transformed lives. And in doing so, consistently, this becomes our legacy, which in turn inspires and transforms future generations. What do you think we're doing here? Right? We come to church so we can renew and re-engage with this man of Jesus who, who showed us how to access God, who showed us how to worship God, who showed us how to find compassion and kindness and forbearance. And so when we come and attach ourselves to his personage, We are called to replicate that in our own lives. We're not doing this stuff in a vacuum. There will be people who will be transformed as a result of the message that we carry with us as we leave this space and enter back into the world. This is not something that is just sequestered to houses of worship. It's designed to become part of our new reality. So this faith that we practice, this ritual that we carry, this routine each week may seem like it has no bottom, but in fact, it has become the very proving ground for our hope that this message will not be lost into the future. This is our responsibility. This is our responsibility that we attach ourselves so deeply to these promises that they become second nature, that we don't operate in extension to this. They become very part of our very life force. So when people interact with us, they're interacting with that divine that's in us. We model to the best of our ability our transformation for others to see as a living testimony to the one who was sent by God to help us reach that mark. May our efforts to carry forth the faith of our ancestors find a home in the generations to come. So do your good work. Model that honorable behavior. Recognize when we are wrong. And own it. This is one of the things that our book, recent book study that we did here has taught us, is that there have been mistakes that have happened that have had their origin in mishandled theology, abusive practices of the church. And if we can own these things, We can be part of that great healing process so that way this good work that we're doing will not end with us, but it will rise up and continue in those who are inspired by our acts of service, our compassion, our humility, our understanding of the one who led us to God. Amen. Let us join together in our responsive hymn. That one. The middle one. (laughs)
2: We're going to sing uh, we have come at Christ's own bidding on uh, 2103 in the faith we sing the little book
0: we join together in a fellowship of prayer knowing that as we present our joys and concerns before God, God hears all, comforts us, and brings us home. Let us pray. Loving and most merciful God giving you thanks for this day that you have established for us and for the events that have led us to gather as this unique congregation today to begin our week with this meditation, prepare ourselves for the season of Lent, which is but a few days away. We thank you for always hearing us, for the assurances that, the little reminders that we have to know that. You have been there for us in a variety of ways. We see your actions poured out in the work of those who minister to us, serve us. Friends and family, sometimes even complete and total strangers, can be a blessing that we need to meet the challenges of the day and the moment. If we took time to stop and reflect on all the instances in which we have experienced your grace, we would never come to the end of the list. As quickly as one image forms, another one is there to replace it. And we soon see a collection of instances that demonstrate that we have always been at some form in your care. So today we come to you with Concerns. We have concerns not only that are close to home, but we've got concerns about what is unfolding internationally right now. We see neighbors attacking neighbors. We see one country insisting that, well, we like your territory, we think we'll take it. And we ask ourselves, what does this mean? We can't turn away because we know at some point, even what happens on the other side of the globe will ultimately affect us in some way here. We pray for the de-escalation of the situation going on in the Ukraine. We pray for a skillful diplomacy. We pray for tempered egos, a change of heart, a redirect. And we do our part by not fanning the flames with derisive speech, with incendiary posts, or with a nonchalant attitude about, well, It's not happening here, so it's not really that important. We must always see ourselves as a collective humanity. If nothing else, if we've learned nothing else about God, let us not forget that we are all knit from the same cloth. So, may we do our part to be peacemakers. Starting small, being at peace with ourselves and our family, and moving out from there to our respective communities, state, nation. Let us always model. The type of behavior that will inspire future generations towards good, not ill. To learn from our mistakes of the past and dare not to repeat them. And to understand that if there's anyone suffering in the world, we suffer as well. Seeing ourselves as a collective will bring about the the right framework for us to see our way out of harm and back into peace bless and keep those who are sick and suffering those in hospital those receiving treatments those in recovery we pray that you would bring gentle restoration to bodies that are making their way back towards health. We pray for caretakers who were there tending to their loved ones. We pray for their strength, physical strength and emotional strength to meet the challenges and demands of caring for those who are ill. We pray for our professional healthcare workers who are just beyond exhausted and wonder how it is that they keep moving forward, except for the love of what they do. Maybe not every day, maybe not every patient, but there is a desire to want to bring healing. And they give it their all. We pray for those who are in mourning. We pray for Al, the Rodenbergs, fresh from the funeral of Lucy, who touched all of our lives, was a servant in this church, and gave and loved us deeply. She's missed. She will always be missed. Pray for the Canziers. Ask that you be with them in the passing of Kathy. That you bear up Jerry and his siblings. Give him the strength that he needs to accomplish the task set before him and then to find some rest so he can think about all that he's lost. He hasn't even had time to process and be with his wife, Lynette. So we don't come to you empty-handed. We always have some concerns. We always have something that is there in the forefront of our minds. So receive the prayers of your people as they lift them up to you today in your name. Thank you, loving God, for receiving these, the prayers of your people, our joys and concerns, said unto you, we know that we will not leave empty-handed. We know that you walk with us, that you guide us. Remember us as one as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. will move beyond these walls and affect some change in the community. We ask these things for the sake of he who offered himself for us. Christ our Lord. As we prepare for Holy Communion, I invite you to join on the front cover of the heavy blue hymnal for the Church Covenant. <clears throat> we covenant with the Lord and with one another and do bind ourselves in the presence of God to walk together in his holy ways. We will strive to be doers of the word and not hearers only, to be firm in faith, quickened in hope, and constant in charity. And we will consecrate our time, talent, substance, and influence as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Restore us, merciful God, we arrive at you bearing the exhaustions of thoughts and maneuvers and things that we have tried to do to make our way through life. And Sometimes we just show up and we need to be renewed for poor decisions we've made, which have cost us dearly. It's so wonderful to know that you keep no record of wrongs. And that you have instituted this meal that we can be reminded once again of the renewal that your son brings to us. So may we partake of this meal and be bolstered again to know that we walk in newness of life. Amen. On a night in which Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He took bread and he blessed it gave it to his disciples and says, this is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. They shared the cup. He says, this is my blood shed for the remission of sins. Cup of salvation. As often as we do eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we do claim the Lord's death until he comes again. It is with gratitude that we are able to say thank you, because we know ourselves, we know our capacities, we know our own short fuses. And God, you erase that, you let it go. You remind us that we knew to let it go as well. So through this meal, you've prepared in advance to serve as a reminder of our redemption, thank you send us forth that we, too, can fully engage life, not as broken people, but as individuals who have been restored to wholeness. Amen. We join together in our closing hymn, number 40. That's from the blue hymnal.
2: Divi- I'm sorry guys, let me try that again.
1: Love, divine all love. Other-
0: grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, May it keep you and guide you now and all.